Really excited to be with you. I'm, I'm very, very excited. I, <clears throat> I spent some time uh, this week with the Lord and I was super happy. Like I, I had my message done on Tuesday. Are you kidding? I had spent Monday and Tuesday with the Lord and I was so excited and then Wednesday happened. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay. So there's a couple of things I want to do before I get to the word, the meat of the word that I feel like the Lord's given us. I'm really excited about the word I've got to share with you. But there's two things I would love to do. I want to make sure that before we do anything else, we pray for our leaders today. Amen? Pray for our spiritual leaders, Jeff and Becky Dollar, our senior pastors who are out on leave. We love them. We miss them. If you're watching online, we love you. Um, and also want to make sure that we pray for our government leaders or our governmental leaders. I'll learn to speak soon. It's okay. Um, a quick update on the dollars for you. Last week, I shared with you the very sad news that Pastor Jeff's sister, Beth, had gone to be with the Lord on, on New Year's Day. And the funeral uh, was going to be on Wednesday of, of this week, a, a couple of days ago. But sadly, Ronnie, her husband tested positive for COVID, so they had to delay the funeral. And for those of us who've lost loved ones, we know how sad a funeral is, and yet also how it brings a sense of healing and a sense of closure. And so I thought it would be great for us to pray for the family this morning, not only for their grief, but also being, being caught in that place where you, you know, you're lingering in grief and you can't say your goodbye. So I do want to make sure that we pray for them this morning as well. And then I alluded to uh, what happened on Wednesday, the shameful events that happened to our capital that left us really, really shaken and shocked as a nation. And so I want to make sure that we take time this morning to pray for our nation, but also to pray for our country, that we pray for a smooth transition from President Trump's administration to President-elect Biden's administration. And also, the, you know, in the next 10 days that we have, that we do not see violence, that we do not see discord, and that that we see uh, the kingdom of God established here in our nation. Amen? Amen? So listen, I know that Matt already had a stand for our offering. And believe me, there's no magic. Nothing makes our prayers more powerful when we stand. But there is a sense, especially in this season of us being apart, there's something about us being in unity and standing up. So can I ask you to stand with me? I'm going to lead us in prayer for our leaders. You're welcome to pray as well, um, or you can just heartily amen as well. But Father, we stand as a, as a community of people this morning, disparate throughout the week, and for people who are online as well, we're pulling you in, you're joining us this morning. But we come before your throne of grace to find grace and mercy in our time of need. And we bring to you, Lord, our, our beloved beloved dollar family and their extended family. And we pray for them, Lord, in this season of like one buffeting wave after another. We pray for um, unparalleled mercy to be shown to the whole family. And we just ask for your care, for your love, for your grace, for the supernatural empowering grace to be over the whole extended dollar family. And we bless them today. As a church family, we thank you for them. We thank you for the culture that we enjoy because what they have paid for and what they've sowed into our house. And so we bless them. And Lord, our hearts turn to our nation. We bring our nation to you. And Lord, we know that you love our nation and we are one nation under God, under you. And so we ask, Lord, would you come? Would you bring a healing salve over a nation, Lord, that is so traumatized and stirred up and rife? And Lord, we ask right now that you would rebuke the enemy. You would rebuke the devourer. Lord, that any spirits of division that are circulating, that are trying to stir up unrest, we say no in the name of Jesus. And as believers, we understand the authority that we have to speak, to bless and to 
to not curse. And so, Lord, would you put upon our hearts, may the words of our mouth be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, and my rock and my redeemer, the meditation of our heart also. We pray for President Trump's administration. We pray for President-elect Biden's administration. We pray for the next 10 days, Lord, that we would be free from disruption and violence in our nation and that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in America as it is in heaven. And we pray all of these things in the glorious and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much. Have a seat. Have a seat. Well, it is really good to be with you this morning. You know, not least because I get to be with real human beings. This week, uh, my kids were homeschooling. Good God, if you're an educator here, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Uh, it was really interesting, you know, trying to run meetings and also, Dad, the printer's not working. You're like, ask your mother. Never mind, I'll, I'll fix the printer. So that's, that's my job. So it's really nice to be with you today. Um, it is. I mean, it sounded like unsure. I, I, it is really nice. I just want to see. Mm. It's really fun how we can make everybody feel awkward just by pausing for a second, isn't it? <laughs> so Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity we have to be together as a, as a church, Lord, that we get to come together. And for those who are watching online, those of us who are here, Lord, would you give us a sense of your presence? a sense of your beauty. As we open up the word today, Lord, would you feed us? Would you nourish us and transform lives, expand your kingdom? In Jesus' name, amen. We have been in a series all about stewardship. I um, have had a lot of fun despite how challenging it's been. In our very first week, we looked at the elementary things of stewardship. That God owns everything. He owns everyone. He owns everything. He owns the kings, the rulers. He owns our government. He owns our money. He owns everything. And, and even though he owns everything and even though he's better at managing everything than we are, he invites us in through relationship, through partnership for this thing called stewardship which is basically, hey, here's some resources. I trust you to manage them. Now go forth, be fruitful, be, multi uh, be multiply. You understand what I mean. And then in the second week, we, we talked about how Jesus' heart is to be able to trust us with much, to be able to give us true riches and to give us property of our own to steward and manage. That's in stark contrast to the Jesus I knew growing up. The Jesus I knew growing up wanted us all to be poor and anything we did have, we should give to him. And yet it's the opposite. You find the Lord like, ah, I actually want to teach you how to be good stewards. And we learn about the importance of the tithe, giving what, God is, what belongs to God first. And then last week, I talked a little bit about what do you do with the 90% that's left over? How do you be a faithful steward? Having honored the Lord with the tithe, what do we do with the 90%? And we saw there that if we will refuse to partner with fear, about what God is like and, you know, what he's up to. But if we will live with a purpose of expanding his kingdom in mind, what we do with the 90% either adds more or removes what we already have. This week, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about the most practical, single biggest change that you and I can employ today. We don't have to wait till tomorrow. We don't have to schedule an appointment with a financial planner. We can do it right now to absolutely change the course of our life regarding stewardship. And last week I said, hey, the one thing I want to tell you about has got nothing to do with tithing, and it doesn't. But here's what I do want to say about tithing. If you are not tithing, what I teach you today won't work. 
okay? So this is separate from tithing, but you have to do first things first. The kingdom is a kingdom that is built precept upon precept upon precept. How many of you would like a great verse, just like a hallelujah verse, uh, like a verse for 2021 that can be your verse, you can write it on your mirror, here it comes. When I preached this at first service, everybody groaned and kind of braced themselves for impact. I'm not, this is honestly a really, really good verse. Look, Proverbs 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Guys, I was expecting a little bit more. I mean, I can preach on judgment if you would prefer. (laughs) The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and God, because he's good, adds no sorrow to it while he's doing it. I love verses like this. I mean, verses about God blessing us, enriching our lives, all the while it doesn't cost us anything. Yes, please, sign me up for some Proverbs 10, 22, yummy, yummy, yum, yum, yum. But how many of us, despite the fact we love this verse, are actually willing to let this verse come to pass? in God's timing, which let's be honest, always seems to take way longer than our preferred timing. Can I have an amen? Amen. Or how many of us, if we're honest, get fed up waiting on the Lord showing blessing and just choose to bless ourselves instead? Right, so you're scrolling through Instagram, you're scrolling through Facebook, you see a family member, you see a friend, you see a co-worker, worse, you see somebody who used to go to your church and they've got a new, I don't know, purse, handbag, vacation, whatever, car, and you're like, you know what? Yeah, it's really great to see that God's blessing you, which doesn't sound like we mean that, but what we think is that kind of impetus there seems to bear witness to us that we should just go bless ourselves. And that murmur of our heart becomes a witness for us to go make purchases we can't really afford. See, there's a real danger that we try and take principles and try and make them ours without God and end up outside of God's timetable. And worse still, we've moved from faith to entitlement and can't tell the difference. Or maybe it's just me, I don't know, but let's continue. How about this, Matthew 6, 33. This is Jesus speaking, so you know it's gonna be good. He says this, but seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Let's check the fine print. What are the, all these things that Jesus is talking about? Well, this passage we find right after the famous passage about you can't serve both God and money or God and mammon. So what Jesus is talking about here is money. All these things are things you can buy with money. Jesus even explicitly lists some of these things, like what you will eat, what you will wear, what you will drink. Jesus is talking about, hey, if you seek first the kingdom, if you seek to live righteously, I'll give you all the practical everyday things of life. I'll, I'll give them to you. The NASB puts it beautifully. It says this, all these things will be added to you. Like you don't even need to keep an account. You don't even need to worry if you're going to get them. I'll just add them to you. It'll just be a default way of living. So my question is, are we willing to wait for God to add them to our lives? Or are we going to bypass his process and just go and get them for ourselves? 
See, when we do that, when we live in that way, which by the way, I have lived so much of my life in that way. When we do that, what we're actually saying is, Lord, I love the principle, but I don't really care much for the process. Now, typically, like I said earlier, we tend to not like the process because it takes far longer than we'd prefer. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to be kind because I realize I just opened up, checked in on you, and then just zoomed straight into your heart. And as my friend Lyle Phillips says, uh, you know, the most sensitive nerve in a man's body runs straight through his pocketbook. Okay? So we're going to zoom away from all of us for a second. We're going to get theoretical. We're going to look at the same principle at work, but in the life of the father of our faith. That way it's slightly less uncomfortable. But I'm coming back for you. (laughs) Genesis 12, verse 2. This is an astonishing prophetic word. This is the Lord coming to Abram. He's not Abraham yet, but he's coming to Abram. We know from the context what Abram's longing for is a child. He's longing for a son, doesn't have one. At this point, he is 75 years old. And look at the honor the Lord bestows upon him. It says this, um, I will make you into a great nation. This is the Lord speaking. And I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. It's a huge honor that A, first of all, the Lord shows up and has a face-to-face audience with Abram. Second of all, the Lord's come with a message. But third of all, the Lord has got a tailor-made blessing for the very need that Abram's heart is crying out for. What's beautiful about it is, even before the verse was ever written, God is demonstrating his nature that he can do above and beyond all we can ask or imagine. What Abram was longing for was a son. And what God was saying, too shallow, I'll give you a nation. It's so like God to not just meet our need, but to go above and beyond. And by the way, this is exactly what God is doing for you and I. He's like, I see you. I know you, my plan is to be good to you, my plan is to bless you, and because this blessing is tailor-made for who we are, the blessings that I get won't bless you, but the blessings that you get will bless you. Like he knows you, he knit you together in your mother's womb, and his whole heart is to be good to you, and his goodness is more than you or I could ask or imagine. So this is beautiful, prophetic words straight from the Lord to Abram. But we keep reading and we know the story. We catch up later and uh, Abram still doesn't have a son, but he's walking with a God who's continually talking to him about the future son he's going to have. How many of you have had that experience with the Lord? You know, where you think you've got cross lines, you're talking to the Lord about a problem and he's talking to you about a solution and you're like, do you even hear, like, I remember like AJ and I crippled in debt, talking to the Lord, asking him about like, help us get out of debt. Like, what are we going to do? And all the Lord would talk to me about is stewarding wealth. And I'm like, am I on a cross line with Dave Ramsey? Like, like why, why aren't you responding to my questions? Because we're in relationship with a God who calls things that are not as though they are. God is refusing to be limited by our reality. Instead talks about his so it can come to pass. So Abram still doesn't have a son. He's 86 years old now. 11 years have passed, still no son, but he's in relationship with the Lord who's just talking about this son. The Lord is still intent on blessing him, 
But instead of allowing God to bring him the blessing in his timing with no sorrow, Abraham tries to fix the solution himself and decides to bless himself. Sleeps with his wife's maidservant and has a son. Now, Abram was not content to let God give him what he promised. He went and got it for himself. That's so much more palatable when we're talking about somebody in that dynamic, you know, thousands of years ago, not talking about us today. But I'm about to talk to us today. Because we, in so many ways, are just like Abraham in that we borrow from the future what we want in the present often at the expense of what God is already doing that we might not be able to see. And in the process of borrowing from the future to supply our needs in the present, we add sorrow to our lives. Ellen, what do you mean? I mean, we use future money that we haven't yet earned to pay for present things because we want them immediately and we're not prepared to wait for them and then end up in debt. How many of you, is this a familiar story to you? You are, you're, I don't know, scrolling through Instagram or you're in a store. Let's just remember stores, go to stores. And someone's on sale and you see something that you didn't know you needed, but it's clear and all of heaven is witnessing you need it now, right? And you're thinking, the problem is I don't have any money, but I've got a birthday coming up. And I know historically on my birthday, my great aunt gives me this and my uncle sends me this and my mom and dad said that we're gonna do this. And you know what? I think I've got a pay rise coming up. And so we borrow from the future to justify the purchase in the present. And sometimes we call that faith. It's not faith, it's theft. We are robbing from our future because we don't trust God to be good in our present. We think it's borrowing, but it's stealing. If there was one thing that we could all do today to make us more effective stewards immediately, it would be to stop spending money that we don't yet have. And when the counter argument is, yeah, but I will, then my counter to your counter is great. Wait until you do, then spend it. Also, this is just an aside. It's insane that we're spending money that we don't yet have, but we're bypassing the tithe. (laughs) How can we tithe on money we don't yet have, but freely spend it? And when we do, we haven't given God what's first. Does that make sense? It's not my main point, but I'll throw it out for free. See, when we steal from our future to pay for the present, we are declaring out loud to the heavenlies, I don't trust you, God, to add good things to my life. Now, we might not know we're doing that, but all behaviors, all beliefs produce behaviors. I can tell what you believe by the way you live. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Like, we don't need a prophetic gift to work out what's going on. We just need to stop, slow down, and be present with ourselves. Because I, honestly, if I surveyed everybody and on the way and go, hey, do you trust God to add good things to your life? You're like, yep, 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 yep. But would our bank statements reflect that statement as truth? This statement, I don't trust you to add good things to my life, is riddled with problems. Here's three of them. (laughs) What was funny? (laughs) Okay. 
riddled with problems? Okay. Okay, the nervous laugh. You've only got three. Yeah, I've only got three. Here's your first problem, is that we make the mistake that our life can be enriched by possessions instead of his presence. It's so true though, isn't it? Like we fall for that lie all the time. And by the way, I'm up here like, oh, look, look, look. Like I'm telling on myself. I am not shaming you. I can speak on this authoritatively because I have lived this way. It is so tempting to think that the solution to the sadness we currently experience or the frustration we're experiencing, the loneliness we're experiencing can be remedied by a new iPhone or a new Sonos speaker, or a new house. You know what your problem is? I don't live in a good enough neighborhood. And you know what? You know, my kids don't go to good enough school. And so we cease living now and move to Trulia and just waste time dreaming about what life could be if only God was better to us than he currently is. Now, replace iPhones and houses with whatever your poison is. Fishing rods, uh, handbags, exercise equipment, vacations. You know what your weak spot is because Facebook's algorithm knows you better than yourself. I bought, I bought, like, confession is good for the soul, lousy for the reputation. I bought one of those things. I'm scrolling through Instagram. Like, Instagram knows me so well. I'm scrolling through and I'm like, you know what? I do need, I do need a Wi-Fi connected ear pick that can stream it to my iPhone so I can watch as I clean out my ears. Done. Yeah, I bought it. Okay. <laughs> oh, my life is so much better now. I feel so much more connected to heaven. Maybe it's because of my clean ears. But it's ridiculous. We fall for it all of the time. The second one is slightly more nefarious is we declare that we have our, trace plus, our trust placed in mammon and not in the Lord. How do we know that? Well, because the story we tell ourselves. The narrative that we write to explain away our sadness is, well, God's not keeping his word to me. Maybe I need to help him. Like he promised to bless me. And as far as I can tell, he's not blessing me. And so Mammon slips in and is like, yeah. You know what would make your life way, way richer? Is if you had that new KitchenAid mixer. And I didn't even mean that to rhyme. (laughs) Or what's keeping you behind in life is that new guitar. It's not much more, sorry, Josh. It's not much more than the one that you can afford. And you know, honestly, doesn't God want to be good to you? And then lastly, we demonstrate that we can't wait. You know what another word for not being able to wait is? Lack of self-control. We've demonstrated that we're just a reflex to marketing. We're not actually following Jehovah, we're following a sign that says on sale. (laughs) Now, these are a problem, but it's even greater when we match them up with Scripture because all three of them violate Scripture. Jesus said this very clearly, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. The happiness you're looking for is not found in a store. That's from Jesus, it's not from Dave Ramsey, it's not from me, it's Jesus. And what's interesting is he has to tell us twice, hey, watch out, hey, be on your guard. Why wasn't one of them sufficient? Because it's so nefarious. It says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. I thought there was only one kind of greed. No, there's appropriate greed. It's not greed, it's just, I'm a, I'm a son of the most high. I deserve this. 
That's not greed. That's me just living out my destiny. No, that's entitlement, you narcissist. <laughs> All right, but we have to be on our guard because if the whole culture's doing it, how do you know if it's wrong? Happy, happy, joy, joy. <laughs> Proverbs 20, verse 17 says this. Listen to this. I mean, if this is not wisdom for the ages, I don't know what is. Proverbs 20, verse 17. Stolen bread tastes sweet, but it turns to gravel in the mouth. When we purchase things on stolen money, money that we've taken from the future that isn't ours yet, and we just, you know, are trusting God to pay for our habits, that's when faith is spelt V-I-S-A, by the way. Right, I'll just pay for it and God's good. He's going you know, to cover all my, you know, has he promised to just be faithful? You're like, ah, is that faith? Because that doesn't feel like it. Stolen money, when we take that and we buy stolen bread, mm, it tastes so good. Like when I'm browsing through and think, you know what, I need some new Sonos speakers in my house because the old ones, you know, they're the wrong color. So I don't have the money, but like God wants to be good to me, you know, and all good gifts come from heaven. So I'll just buy it and I'm sure he's going to be good. And you know what, it's going to be fine. I've got a birthday coming up and it comes and, oh, the smell of new electronics. Oh, cardboard and styrofoam. Oh, I love it. Right? It's a high when FedEx drops off and you open up and you set it up and you get your app out and it's great and it feels amazing for 24 hours. Or whenever the bill comes and you're like, oh, oh, they expect me to pay for that. Because it was painless when I bought it. Touch ID, tick, face ID. I didn't even have to do anything. I just had to be present. It wasn't my fault, Lord. It was an accident. <laughs> I love new things. I love new toys. But what I have learned from experience is that when the Lord adds them to me, they're a source of joy. But when I go and get them for myself, there is no lasting sense of joy. See, God wants to satisfy you with every good thing and every perfect gift. He really does. But when you and I grab for what he would freely give us, we've missed the point. And what's the point, Alan? The point is that God doesn't mind you having things. He just hates when things have you. Matthew 6, verse 24. Jesus, again, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money or mammon. And the problem is, like, we think we know what servitude is. Yes, oh, great master. No, we often justify our behaviors. Well, I'm not really serving, I'm more flirting with it. Not from Jesus' perspective. Exodus 20, verse 2, the very first of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. And then lastly, I mean, how many verses are there in Scripture about waiting upon the Lord? But here's one. Psalm 27, verse 14, wait patiently on the Lord. So what's the solution? If we take a note, write it down. It's very deep. Don't buy stuff you can't afford. Thank you. Thank you very much. And if your grandmother was here, they're like, that's wisdom? Like everyone knows that. No. We might know it, but we don't live like that. But here's the thing. I don't think that's the question you and I are really asking. Certainly not the answer we want to hear. I suspect that what we're really asking is, what is the solution to the underlying problem of buying things we can't afford? Well, it depends on where we made the mistake. If we've made the mistake by thinking that our life 
can be enriched by possessions rather than his presence, the first thing we need to do is cultivate an attitude of practicing gratitude. Gratitude is beautiful. Thankfulness keeps us in touch with God's current provision, which connects us to the promise of his future provision. See, when we thank God for what we have, it curbs that thing called the lust of the eyes, which by the way is never satisfied. That's why it's folly to think, if only I had this, if only I had this, it it just never ceases. If we've found that we've got more trust in mammon than in the Lord, what we need to do is practice submission. James 4 says this, submit yourself to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Too many Christians try and practice the latter without doing the former. They try and resist the devil without ever having truly submitted to God. So what does submitting to God look like? Well, it's recognizing that uh, it's on sale is not a sign from the kingdom of heaven. Like it might be something like, oh, Alan, how do you submit to God? I don't know, how about this? Like, oh, I really want that. Oh, I don't have money to buy it. I'm gonna submit to God and have wisdom and not buy it. Really? That just sounds not very spiritual. I know most of what is spiritual is practical. I know. It's so much easier to say so good and for me to preach it than to put it into practice. Isn't it? Right, because like, but, 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 but it's at least on sale for a little bit. And surely it's good steward to buy it now because like when I come back to buy it, it's going to be more. Oh, you don't think God can provide for the more? I don't like you very much, I know. <laughs> and when we've demonstrated that we cannot wait, Move in the opposite spirit by doing this radical new thing called saving. Saving. Some people are like, what? No, saving. It's doing life in reverse. The world today buys now and pays later. Saving is where you save now and then you pay later. It's this beautiful process of when we save money, we practice delayed gratification. And what that does is build up anticipation for what is going to happen. Now, this week, Asia and I get to celebrate our 16th wedding anniversary. My wife needs some sort of prize, some sort of reward. We got to thinking like, how are we gonna celebrate our 16th wedding anniversary? Uh, you know, in a pandemic. So here's what we've decided to do. And I don't want to cause any of you to stumble. I know that keeping up with the Joneses is a real thing. But on our 16th wedding anniversary, we are, drum roll, (gasps) buying bedroom furniture. (laughs) Now, if I went back 20 years and told my 25-year-old self that, hey, in 20 years' time, you're going to be super excited about bedroom furniture, I'd punch myself in the teeth. And yet here I am excited. Now, why are you so excited? Well, partially I'm excited because we've never had proper bedroom furniture. For the first five years of our life, our bedside tables, what do you call them in America? Nightstands, bedside tables, same thing? Yeah, look at you, you're bilingual. For five years, our nightstands were the upside down cardboard boxes that we used to move from Canada. After about six months, they would sag. So we got a little bit of MDF and just put it over there and then threw over like this really nasty nylon cloth we got from Hobby Lobby. Ta-da! Then, and I don't mean to boast here, but we upgraded from those things to $13 Target TV dinner folding stands. Right? I know, I know, I know. I shouldn't boast. 
I joke about that, but there is something beautiful about having to save. Now, it's important you understand that we weren't practicing meekness, humility, and good stewardship by not buying those things. No, 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 no. We practiced everything I haven't been teaching you today by borrowing money from our future to pay for the present so we didn't even have enough money to buy nightstands. Like, I'm preaching this out of my own stupidity and the redemption of the Lord. You understand that, right? So it wasn't that we're like, you know, we'll be just really wise and frugal and we just won't do that and, you know, we'll just save. No, 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 we squandered stuff so that we can't even buy ourselves bedside tables. But now I've got joy. See, I've learned that great stewards do three things really, really well. They spend wisely, they save diligently, and they give generously. But it is impossible to do any of those three things when we have no money. I don't know if you've noticed that. And we have no money when we continue borrowing from the future. Because when we get to the future, we're like, oh, we have to pay that back? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Alan, this is great and all, and you seem uncharacteristically sprightly this morning. Super helpful, but actually, I don't need to be discouraged by the mistakes I've previously made. Could you give me something encouraging? I hear you, I've got you. Here is something super encouraging. Let's go back and revisit Abram. We're going to pick up in Genesis 17. We're only five chapters from when we met him last. But by this time, a lot of time has passed. He's now 99 years old. Remember, he was 75 when the Lord said to him, Hey, you know what, I'm going to give you, I heard your prayer for a son. Don't worry, I'm going to take care of it. We know that when he was 86, he took matters into his own hand. Now he's 99. Let's read what the Lord does. It says this, and I want you to pay attention to the mercy of the Lord. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations and I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. Did you see that? If you didn't, let me just break it down for you. When, when he was 75, he wanted a son but God dreamed of a nation for him. He's now 99 and he's still waiting on the promised son from God, but God has upgraded the dream from nation to nations. Despite Abraham not trusting the Lord and blessing himself, it didn't disqualify him from the blessing the Lord had long planned. Not only that, but in the passing of time, the Lord has upgraded the blessing to go from son to nation to nations. I want to encourage you as you listen to me, whether you're at home or whether you're in this room, if you find yourself feeling guilt or shame, and maybe I deliberately picked this week to preach this message as all of our Christmas credit card statements come through and we have a day of reckoning. You're like, oh, I didn't realize that my wife and I were spending money at the same time. If you're sitting with shame or guilt thinking, I- I've spent money I don't have, or I've bought things I can't afford, or I've been borrowing from my future to pay for the present, or, oh, no, I have been trusting mammon and not the Lord, the Lord will still be good to you because his goodness is not determined by your faithfulness. 
To the faithless, I remain faithful, he says. Demonstrated by Abraham here, from son to nation to nations. And I wanna encourage you, it is not too late for you because it's never too late with God. No matter what your financial situation looks like, no matter your level of provision, it's just 2021, it's just begun. You can change your ways. You can become a phenomenal steward and you can demonstrate that you're worthy of being trusted with more and you haven't squandered your inheritance. Just return to him. But how are we to return, you might ask? Well, you're in great company because there was people in the Bible who asked the very same question in Malachi 3.7. And the way they returned was all about tithes and offerings. It was all about their finances. It is easy to come and worship the Lord with our tongue. It's harder to worship the Lord with our life. Harder yet to consistently worship the Lord with a faithfulness of the way we handle our finances. So I wanna challenge you, it's the start of 2021. Here's four things, start with an understanding that everything you currently have is already his. By the way, that includes the debt that you've incurred. It's unfair, but he's betrothed to you. When I married AJ, she had debt. What's crazy, I hope AJ doesn't mind me saying this. When I married AJ, she had debt from her previous marriage because her husband left her and left her with debt. I didn't care. You know why? I got the bride. And you know what? I took those debts as my debts because I married to her and we paid them off. Everything you have today, including your debts, belongs to the Lord. And he's willing to partner with you to not just get you out of debt and get back to zero and teach you a lesson, wag a finger, but to purpose you to live in the inheritance he already paid for. Sorry, I'm not angry at you. I just get passionate and excited. So start with an understanding that everything you have is, is his and you're just a steward of it. And then demonstrate that you can be trusted with much by ensuring that you consistently return the first 10% of all increase to him in the tithe. Now, you've heard me teach on the tithe. The tithe matters what it is and when it is. Don't wait till the end of the month to kind of work out and then leave God a tip. That makes you a terrible tipper. Which of you work in the service industry would be thrilled with a 10% tip? And yet too often, at best, we think about God like that and just leave him. No, put God first, the start of the month. Anytime I get money, before I spend any of it, it's like, pff, it's going to the Lord first, 10%. And then don't be like the one talent servant who lived with a fear-based view of God. Well, I'm not frightened of God. Does your giving reflect that? Remember, we are to expand the kingdom of God. That's the vital use of our finances, growing the kingdom. And then lastly, refuse to bless yourself through stealing from your future to pay for your present and you will be trusted with more. See, God has a plan to bless you, to be good to you. He's looking for your participation through your stewardship of the little he's given you so that he can give you more. Amen? Amen. Amen. Matt, come and give us some words of knowledge.